So when you're operating that low, your frequency is low. When your frequency is low, your energy is low. And when you start getting to things that you actually love, you're literally raising your frequency center. You're activating that center chakra where your heart is, your love is. Now you start achieving more with less effort. Back to what I was What's up, what's up, what's up, friends, family, and fans? Welcome to Life On Podcast. This is where we listen and inspire friends in entertainment. And everywhere. Yeah, because life happens to everyone. I am your co-host, Stone Stafford, with my ride or die, Mr. Johnny Vaughn. Mr. Bearded Man over here. And we have a wonderful guest with us today, Mrs. Zara Kersan. Hello, ma'am. Hello, how are you guys doing? Thank you so much me absolutely not a problem let me correct that i said curse on it's carson mm-hmm. Carson. well no that's that when you put the because you're going overseas soon so we put all the accents on carson since you'll be well that's a t- well uh, is Italy? It's, it's not mrs just so we're clear okay gotta keep it clear all right <laughs> keep options open <laughs> what's up how are you i'm great thank you how are you guys doing we are wonderful. Thanks for joining us. Today. I'm not. I'm an absolute wreck. I oh. don't know what's going on with my life. I am lacking direction and focus. <laughs> Tension is down. I cannot figure out the steps I need to take to become a better person. So and let's do you. Let me guess. You need to do it in six weeks. Yes. You're horrible, man. You are. Oh, we got to work on your freaking segue. About how long I've got till I got to go back to work. It's about well, go ahead. Weeks, take so. the baton on that one. Since I'm not riding that corny. Train no, that's, no, no, that, no, that was it. Um, what I want to do, because I, I don't want to toot the horn, I want you to tell us the magic of what it is that you do, because you have people who are therapists, you have people who are life coaches. Yeah. And I, I love to look at you as like a bridge between the two. And there's some spirituality that's mixed into that, too. So mm. what's that mix and magic of what it is that Zara does? It's <laughs> a great question. Well, so I, you know, I'm an author, success coach, and I run this company called Gets End, and I've created this methodology called the Rewire Mindset System. And I think what makes this unique is that my background initially, my first career was in management consulting. So I became an expert at delivering successful results. And I mean, I worked with C-level executives on projects that were forty-five to fifty million dollars, and, and teams of up to two hundred. So. You know, when you're when you're dealing with high stress situations and you're helping restructure companies and you're working with the CEOs and the CFOs and the COOs and they trust you and call you in for, you know, emergency projects or projects that have gone awry and you're the fixer, then, you know, you, you've reached a certain level of success in that career. And, you know, on the side, I was always fascinated with human behavior. So my studies were psychology for my undergrad and then for postgraduate studies i i just wanted to continue this practice so i started a coaching practice and i started seeing these amazing results with my clients and i thought okay but i want to understand the science behind these phenomenons like why these shifts in mindset i wanted to understand kind of the science of mindset if that makes sense because people talk about the power of positive thinking that drives me crazy without any context right hey without any science behind it. And so I became really fascinated with, you know, what is that magic formula for happiness and success? Because I think success can live 
you can you can chase goals and you can do well and you can achieve a high level of success, but you can't really truly be successful unless you've also learned to be happy. Mm-hmm. You can you can be happy, but you can't do it without the one currency we all need to live in to pay our bills to do well, and that's money. So are you talking about really, chocolate? Gotcha. Chocolate, money. Okay. <laughs> you know, they work together unless you're living in a in a monastery in Tibet and you're, you know, just praying and doing chores to to pay your room and board. The rest of us have to pay our bills and we need to think about, you know, educating our children and so much more than that financial security as we get older if you're living in the u.s you have to worry about medical bills other countries like europe and canada you don't have those worries so it depends where you are but i became really fascinated with human behavior and what does it mean what is this human journey about you know we ask you know as we go through life what is the what is it all for like what is the meaning of life what is the soul's journey what is this human journey why do we all have to go through trauma and struggles? I'm, I'm sorry, Zara. Stone's looking at me inquisitively. No, because I'm hearing Zara saying something about purpose and people having purpose. Oh, I thought she was going to say 42 because that's the answer to every if you've never to the Hitchhiker's <laughs> Galaxy. All of yeah. yeah. Babe, before you go further, because I wanted to interject something when you were talking about um, success and happiness, because mm-hmm. we have to address the fact that, you know, success is something different for everyone. Right. Yes. And yeah, money is involved and simply because of the system that we live in. So yes. money has to be involved. But I also want to point out to some people where, you know, they say, well, I don't need a whole lot of money to be happy. And if I'm happy, I'm successful. I get that formula. And to agree to a degree, you're correct. I can't tell you what makes you happy. But I asked the question to say, is your is it a degree of success that you've had? Because sometimes I feel we give ourselves a cop out, mm-hmm. or make ourselves settle to be happy with this level here, and say, "Well, your success is up there, but I'm, I'm my success is here. I'm just happy with my family and my TV and my football and my beer." And and you may be, but are you kind of giving yourself a cop out? Because right with a higher level of success, there are going to be things that come with that you know, responsibilities, work and, and all these other kinds of things that come. And some people quite frankly, just don't want to deal with that. You know mm-hmm. I mean? So I think a lot of, another way of people measuring success is I always ask, are you living to your potential? Because you can be happy at a 10 and be fine. You know, your marriage is great. Kids are great. All that, yes. but you still yeah. have 90 left. That's just sitting on the table and just rotting. Yes. So that plugs into your whole thing of maybe even a purpose and why, because all those tools are there for something. Yes. Right. Would you agree? Yes. And maybe that yeah, absolutely. And, and these are all great points. You've made so many great points there. I think, you know, what I became fascinated with was yes, the, the formula for happiness is entirely unique, just like what you like to do for a workout or a diet is completely unique to you. You two, you two men in this studio aren't going to like exactly the same things for breakfast, the same things for lunch, the same workouts. You're not. You're going to have some variations from your sister, your brother, your siblings, your children, your partner, and just like each other. And a formula for happiness in life is just the same. It's about what's important to you, what lights you up. And I think purpose is a big piece of that. But what I became really fascinated with was, you know, you touched on many things there when people are happy with just the status quo, when there's so much left on the table, that's untapped potential. 
And I like to think of it, so this is why I talk about the four bodies in this work. We have a spiritual body, a mental, emotional, and a physical body. And I think of the spiritual body as your soul, your spirit, your essence. It's who you are. And who you are was meant for greatness. So when you come into this world and you're you're a child and you have all of these big dreams that are limitless, when you're when you're little, you think I can be a policeman, a firefighter, an astronaut, president of the US, president of the world, master of the universe. There's no limitations on you know anything that you say or want to be. And that's a beautiful quality to have. And at some point, we get expectations put on us by our parents, by our teachers, by, you know, the school. I, I had somebody else's teacher whose homeroom I was visiting when I walked into a, a room to go and, you know, pick her up because we were going to walk home together, said something to her like, oh, your friend is cute. She, she won't have to do much in life. She'll just marry rich. And she imparted that information to me. And I was so, I was so gutted. I was so devastated by that piece of information that it forced me to want to do great things. But it wasn't just that. We all have these moments. We all have these slights of people saying, you're not meant to do great things. You're just going to, you know, ride the coattails of somebody else or, you know, just, just stay in your lane or all that's, you know, all that's possible for you is, X, Y, and Z. And it's a formula that's based on what we observe in our environment. So what are our parents doing? What are our friends doing? What is possible around us? So if you grew up without money, like we did, I was born in South Africa, we came to Canada as immigrants, we didn't have wealth, we really worked hard, we struggled to educate ourselves and to do well. Now, you know, had my parents made different choices and allowed us to just go down the educational path that the location and the geography of where we were living was going to take us, we would have ended up in a very different place. My mother was amazing. And she said, I want my children to be surrounded with the children of great people and highly educated people. And so you know, she used my uncle's address and was getting into some personal stuff. But she made some incredible choices that had us go to a different school. So we were surrounded by and then had very different views and ambitions for what life could be. And what that did for us was it made us hungry for a greater life, for a greater vision for ourselves. And I'm forever going to be grateful for that because what it gave me was I don't want to work in retail for a full week with my feet aching and my legs aching and my back aching just to afford a single pair of boots. Like that's just not the life I want. I want a big life. I want excitement and adventure and travel. And I'll, I don't, I don't need anyone to do it for me. I'm willing to work hard and find all of the resources and acquire all of the knowledge, but it all comes from education. It Mine's, all uh, comes from. Okay. No, I was, yeah. there's, there's, there are three things that I really want to touch on mm. that want to, because the society that we live in now, um, you, you shared that story of going to class and hearing someone say you were just going to marry rich. And that almost being a lighter to a fire for you to want to drive more. I mm -hmm. want to get to that after we comb yes. through a couple of other things. Yes. First. I also want to touch on these four bodies in depth at some point. So I'm saying this now for accountability purposes. So I don't, I don't actually forget that that's what You're I want. better than me. I got to write my joint. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I really want to touch on is, um, is 
is that mindset of of action behind the thought and the want to. And mm-hmm. you started a little bit before you touched the story. I hear a lot about people reading The Secret, and it's been going on more and more over the past decade, and people getting into the, um, if I see it, if I feel it, I believe it, it will happen. But yes. they leave out the doing aspect mm-hmm. that, that comes with it. In in this magical mix that you've come up with, how much of that are you seeing? And then how do you coach people past the imagination aspect of the wish and then shifting them into the doing so that those two things merge together? Yeah, great question. There's, you know, there's three parts to accomplishing anything. First of all, you need to have a vision for it. So you need to be able to visualize that. B, you need a plan to achieve it. So if you haven't done it yourself, you need to find somebody or find 10 people that have and learn as much as you can from them, acquire all of the resources you can, get a coach, get a business coach, and then C is you have to take action. That's the third part. You have to take action. You can't sit on your bed and just meditate and manifest amazing things happening in your life. That's just a part of the puzzle. Next is you have to know that when somebody's opening a door, when somebody's presenting an opportunity, you're ready to take flight. You're ready to go. You're ready to walk through that door and do whatever it takes. And then even when you're there, you're going to have a dozen course corrections. And don't be afraid. There's no straight path to success. Any entrepreneur will tell you that. It's going to be It's going to be like this. It's going to be a little course correction here and there. It's going to be, okay, you think you're going down a road. Maybe you're going to write a book, but it's not about writing the book. It's about the book being a platform for something else. So you think you're going down a particular lane. And the universe is saying, good, that's the right direction. Now do this. And you just have to be open and trust what feels right for you. And that's all about developing your your intuition. So absolutely, you have to take action. I'm glad you said that because I want to jump in on part two on the planning part. So you have your vision then plan and then take action. But as a former professional planning paralysis person, <laughs> right? <laughs> I got stuck in the planning phase, Former? right? Yes. Planning, planning. So to those, uh, to those of our listeners that were like me, where you're spending all your time planning, um, just start, plan the first step. Mm-hmm. That's the first step. Like, all right, what do I need to do to get, just get started? That's it. You know what I mean? And yeah, the plan, because just like you said, you have to stay malleable because chances are your plan is going to change along the way anyway, but just get started. And a lot of times, if you if you have a firm enough vision and goal of what you're going for, the plan kind of writes itself mm-hmm. once you get started and you're truly putting in the work and the effort. You know what I mean? Because yes. you know, all of a sudden things appear to you that you didn't recognize and see before. You know, once your intention is set and your radar is set in. So your planning kind of starts happening, but like people like me is I'm so focused on trying to put the plan in together. I end up not doing anything. Mm. So just wanted to kind of make sure some people pay attention to that part two is the most important part of the plan is step one. And as simple as that may be. You well, know, you also ahead. have to time box. So one of the things you can do, and this is, this is, I mean, rampant in the consulting world. People don't like management consultants or project planners, project managers, because we tend to over plan. You can spend months and months in planning. So you have to build into your plan. First of all, two important things. You need you need smart goals. So specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time bound. So when when do you need to take action? Is it August 1st? Is it August 15th? And what contingency do you have there? Your latest date to start will be August 30th. If it goes past August 30th, something is wrong. Somebody needs to hold you accountable. The first person that should do that is you. 
The second person is whoever you share your plan with. If you have a business coach, you're sharing it with them. So I'm that's proud not Johnny, I'm proud to say Johnny taught me that. That's the Pareto principle, right? Yes. If you give yourself ten well, years to do that's that. That's actually Parkinson's law. Pareto principle is the eighty twenty rule. Eighty yeah. twenty, exactly. I knew it was a P. <laughs> I knew it was a P, and there was a law in there somewhere. Yeah, but go ahead. Yes. Oh, no, Parkinson's law Parkinson's is the one is that how much, you, however much time you allow yourself is how much time it will take to accomplish the task. Exactly. Yes, and then the second piece of this is you have to know what your barriers to success are. So what are the things that could pop up that could cause you to fail? And then how do you plan for them? In the consulting world, this is called risk management. So what is the risk? So let's say you're starting a new diet. We'll keep it really simple. When you wake up in the morning, how ready do you feel that you're going to hit all your nutritional goals if you've done all your meal prep? Pretty good, right? Now, You've had a stressful week. It's Friday. You go out for some drinks. You've eaten all your meal prep. Confidently, are you going to be following your diet on Friday night? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So planning for these things is really important. So let's just talk about the neuroscience. So, you know, in, in my intro, what I wanted to say and finish with was I became really fascinated with understanding the science of success and the science of happiness. And that's what makes this rewire mindset system and this book, the six week plan so different and so unique is that I teach you the science. I teach you what's happening in your brain and your central nervous system when you're stressed and when you're intentional. So it's not just positive thinking. I teach you in week one of the six week plan, we talk about what are the core sources of stress for all human beings that usually cause us to fail. So in this example of the diet, one of the things you need to be aware of it is how we use energy throughout the day. When you wake up in the morning, your battery's full. You're going to have the most capacity and the most confidence and the most capability to get it done first thing in the morning. At the end of the day, when you're exhausted and you're mentally drained, this is called ego depletion in the world of positive psychology, which just means that we are energetic beings with a finite energy source, much like the battery in your phone. We have to keep replenishing our energy through sleep and healthy habits so that we understand when we are depleted, what can we manage then versus first thing in the morning when we're not depleted, we're fully charged, what can we manage then? So understanding how your brain works, how your body works, how you process energy, how you process emotions, when you're going to be strong at it versus weaker at it, when is your willpower strong versus weak is going to help you along that diet. So on Friday night, where is your willpower? You're probably at the weakest point after two or three drinks, yes or no? You're going to say yes to the pizza and probably yes to dessert. Whereas Monday morning, meal prep is done on Sunday. You are good to go. You are golden. You have your plan for the week. Am I right or am I wrong? I mean, yeah, I think you're right. Definitely at my weakest. But I argue to say that I'm also at my most exciting. (laughs) But I digress. Fun is also part of the equation. You have to you have to include some of that. So this is what I mean by understanding, you know, and incorporate that into your planning. So if you know, for example, on Friday night, you're going to want to go out and just let loose, build it into the plan. Right, right. That way you don't feel guilty. You don't derail yourself. You don't spend the, the next or the rest of the weekend spiraling into an emotional, oh my God, I failed myself, you know, downward spiral. You've actually said, oh, I knew this was Friday night. I get to go have fun. Not even going to think about what I'm eating or drinking. I'm just going to enjoy myself. I'm going to let loose. 
get back on track tomorrow morning. Build it into the plan. And so I, I was applying, oh, go for it. Sorry, I was applying the six weeks to happy principle to my writers when, and I didn't even know it. I hadn't even met you when I was at Sony signing writers. When I would go over their budget, um, and not too many publishers did this, but we would sit down and I would literally go over their personal budget. Mm-hmm. We would find out the bills they had to pay and blah blah blah, and I would pad in an extra thirty percent. And they and those that were so worried about you know paying it back, I was like, trust me when I say, yes, that we have a lot of for this. You're going to end up spending that to go out to dinner or spending that to go on a trip and da da da. Then all of a sudden you're going to be short of money and da. I said, let's go ahead. I said, you're human. Having fun, like you said, is is an important important part of your makeup. So let's yeah. go ahead and plan for it. So yeah. look at that. I I was bound to meet you one day. Apparently. <laughs> I just didn't even know. Just just to give you a name for something you were already doing. Right, exactly. <laughs> I So I want to ask a question first and then kind of bulldoze into something different. Mm-hmm. Is it safe to say that any path to success is solely predicated on managing expectations? Mm. I, I would I would say not solely, but definitely it's part of it. You okay. have to manage your own expectations and the expectations of, you know, to do anything, you're going to need a team. If you want to start a business, for example, you're going to need a team. And that was, you know, that was the conversation we're having about expectation as you start your career. And as Stone was saying at the start of the call, you know, you think you have access to only this much, but there's 90% on top potential left on the table. And that I think is because we, we get all of these expectations put on us. When we come into this life, we're not given an instruction manual. You get a bigger book for your car and how to operate your car than you get as a human being and learning how to operate life. Right. Right. We get some basic instructions like when we're a kid, it's do well in school, learn how to behave yourself. It's pretty much it. You get to play, but you know, at a certain point you have to behave yourself. Then you get older and it's choose your major, pick a subject, choose if you're going to go to college or university, figure out how high an education you want, then pick a job, a career, get the, you know, get the house, get the car, get the kids, get the partner and uh, happiness will show up at some point. Mm. But it doesn't. And part of that is because some people finish school and then they immediately want to rush into that phase of life where they can be financially independent and look after themselves. And so you end up taking a job and getting a mortgage and getting car payments. And now you have insurance and gas and mortgage or rent. And now now you're in this loop, this enslavement loop of I have to keep going to this job that I don't love to pay the bills that I've already signed up because now these are my responsibilities. And most people get stuck in that loop. Mm -hmm. The reason why I ask that question that way is to lead into this. I run into so many people who don't manage the expectation part. Mm -hmm. They'll set the goal, but then they don't do the if then else, what if this happens, then I do this. Mm-hmm. And it always culminates to this thing will make me happy. Uh, this achievement will make me happy. I get this job. I will be happy. It's, it's exactly what you're talking about. There's yes. a meme going around now is that when we're kids, we want to be an adult. And as soon as we're an adult, we want to be financially free. When we're financially free, we want to buy a house, mm-hmm. we get married and we have kids. And then you haven't done so much of the other stuff because you've been on, on this one track. And yeah. the goal always seems to be happy. How do I get to happy mm-hmm. definition of what that is is obviously different for everybody but a lot of people don't sit down and break down what that definition is for them yeah and managing the expectations of what they have to do to get to said point 
And I've always lived from a place of happy being a verb and, and not so much state of being. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's our happiness, joy thing. That, exactly. That's exactly what that is. Mm-hmm. And it's, yes. it's, it's, it's a state of being. You are, you are being happy. You are in that. And, and it shifts. It moves. So in, in the six weeks to happy, mm-hmm. I'm assuming you break down the science of that. And I yes. know that managing all of the outside expectations to getting to that would be there. What what step number one for deconstructing everything that we've talked about hmm. to taking <laughs> away all of that superficial stuff to getting mm-hmm. to the root of it to actually setting up the path to getting to it? Okay. Great, great question. And it's something <laughs> I discovered by accident. No, it's a really great question, honestly, Johnny, because you know, as a coach, it's my job to get into the mindset of my clients. So I have a man or woman show up in front of me, they look fully put together. There's no explanation whatsoever as to why they haven't achieved their life goals yet. So I sit there and I interview them. And in the intake, I'm listening for subconscious language patterns. That's what makes this approach also so different. And so I'm listening for their subconscious language cues, but it's my job as the coach to get into their model of the world. So if you imagine a person living in a a house that they've constructed, so I need to figure out where are their walls? Where have they created limits for themselves? In other words, mentally and emotionally. So I then need to learn how to think as they are so that I can pull those walls down and have them see actually it's limitless. And so, and then I work with them to put a plan in place to achieve each of their goals. And then I work with them throughout that timeline and make them accountable until they get there. Okay, great. As I had them envision accomplishing each of these goals, what I came to understand was that they couldn't actually tell me if having achieved that, you know, buying that house or hitting that financial goal of say a hundred thousand in their bank account by a certain date or, you know, having their kids education paid for is actually going to make them any happier. And so I took a step back and I realized, wow, most people don't really know who they are authentically. They don't really have an awareness of what makes them tick, what lights them up inside. And so as part of this exercise in the Six Weeks to Happy program, we we break it down for you in hours per day or events per week or how many times per month do you need to feel your best in terms of physical health? You know, that moment when you finished a workout and you feel like, oh, my God, those endorphins are flowing and you feel full of energy and you feel incredibly strong and capable. I mean, when I go into the gym and I lift weights, for example, I come out feeling like I could do anything. I come out feeling like a rock star. If I avoid that workout, not the same feeling, is it? Right. Yeah. Right. So what are those things that really light you up and make you feel like you're most you know, optimal energized self? What are the things that light you up and make you feel peaceful and serene and calm? What are the things that really spark joy for you? And again, it's unique. So what makes Stone happy is not going to be the same as what makes me happy and vice versa for you, Johnny, as well. So really, we help people dig into what are your values? What are the things that are really important to you in all areas of your life? Emotion and sex, physical connection, physical health. Physical health is not just nutrients and sleep and and hydration. It's also how do you need your physical environment to look? How do you want your body to look and feel? 
because I've been in a poor state of health. I had a health scare two years ago. There was no way I was happy when I didn't feel like I was in my best self. Right. I was struggling. There was a daily inner conflict because I felt like I was not in the body I was meant to be in. You know, I was strong. I didn't have the energy. I was dragging myself. So physical health is definitely a part of it. But it's also what do you look and feel like? How do you want to look and feel in order to feel your best in life? And then we look at, you know, relationships. We look at work and career. We look at financial. So we really help you break down every area of the life wheel. And once you can go through this exercise, it, it's, you know, it's like looking at a mirror. You can actually look at your life versus the life that would be ideal for you, where you would feel your happiest, you know, most optimal energized life, where you are excited and feel like you're really thriving. And you can see the differences, mm-hmm. current state, future state, and you can see those gaps and then you can start a plan for it. So let me ask you this. That's step number one. Oh, I'm sorry. Was there a step two and three down? I don't want to interrupt. There's a bunch of steps. Sorry, there are a lot of steps. There's six of them, actually. Um, all right. Well, while we're on it, I just need your thought. I have two things, and mm-hmm. I'll wait for the second one because it's going to be a teaser that may frustrate you and our listeners, but you're going to like it. All right. So the first thing, what are your thoughts on this, on this paradigm of mine? Is I think happiness is an experience, and I think joy is a state of being. And the way I usually tell people is happiness is singing when there's no rain mm-hmm. joy is singing in spite of the rain so to me those are the difference between the two what what because we say happiness all the time and sometimes and i'm not saying you but a lot of times when people say happiness in my mind i'm like yeah, yeah describing joy do you mm-hmm. feel there's a difference between the two first of all and it, it, yeah. just what are your thoughts on it it's not a right or wrong just i want to know your opinion and your perspective on on my paradigm of that I do. I think joy is an ex- I think joy is like an experience of an emotion in a moment, if that makes sense. See, so, that's funny because that's what I would define happiness as. That's well, what okay. I to Zara, Zara, you and I agree, and Stone is out on some limb. Like, he asks this question because it's a thing between he and I, and he's looking for someone to side with him. Not at all. You're not that important. Thank you for I just wanted to know. I just wanted to know her perspective because I respect Zara. Okay, so, <laughs> you, you saw the undercut. You expect you not Johnny. You saw. You see how that's what the whole thing is about, Zara. This is which is why he's so hurt that you sided with me out the gate. Oh my god! The thing is, one, I'm always leaving the door open for me to see it from another perspective. That's why too. No, so. he's not because this is why he asks everybody the same question. Well, well firstly, I, I love the bromance that you guys have going on. Every day, all day. Awesome, awesome thing to witness. Well, go ahead, but, the answer stone is that there's no right or wrong answer. You know, you can, you can, it's semantics. You can call it joy. You can call it happiness. How I define it is just a little different. I think of joy as, you know, another emotion experience, like not, not that gratitude is an emotion, but it's an experience when you're in a, in a moment of feeling joy, feeling peaceful, feeling grateful. I think of it like an emotion. It's an experience in your body. Happiness for me is a more complex answer because it includes optimal state of physical health, obviously, because without your health, you don't have much. Uh, But it also includes being intentional about how you think, feel, and behave so that you actually feel like your life is 
as you wish it to be. Right. Because if you're running on autopilot, then we're just constantly in the stress spiral all of the time. Mm-hmm. So I think happiness is, you know, to your point, singing on a rainy day, you're choosing to be in that state of mind. You're choosing to sing or do something that that may seem, you know, out of character for what's going on in the moment, but it's because you're so comfortable and you're in an elevated positive emotional state that you can do that. Okay. Right? So that's mm-hmm. how I would define yeah, that. Yeah, that's one of your take on it. Mm-hmm. We, we all work in, in stressful environments. Um, even everyone who's listening to this, there's some level of stress you're going to encounter at your job, yeah. at school. If you're a parent with your kids, it, it, it exists. At the highest levels, the most highly functioning people learn how to compartmentalize that stress and constantly function in that whatever that place is, if it's a joyful mm-hmm. place, a being place, whatever it allows you to concentrate and focus what's the secret to doing that? Because it's something I get asked that question all the time because my, my job is extremely stressful and people always ask me, how yeah. do you manage to do this without breaking a sweat? And it's, you know, the ice in the veins thing. And I have this saying, I say no dead babies. If no one's child is mortally wounded or dying, I am not changing the world. I'm not saving lives at the end of the mm-hmm. day, no matter what goes wrong, it's not the end of the world, but stress still exists. And, and I've subconsciously learned how to just do it. And I can't really teach anyone how to do it. What's, mm-hmm. what's that? What would you say? What are the words you'd give someone to be able wow. to quickly master the ability to function in that space so that they can start this road? Well, it's a much bigger question than, than you think you're answer than, than you think you're asking, because stress for me is a number of things. Firstly, you know, we are animal beings, we are wired for survival. So that fight or flight response, which is our stress response is actually a very natural way of being. But in the past, when we were living in simpler times and living off the land, that served us if we had a predator coming towards us, that fight or flight response would act as a gas pedal and we would get this rush of adrenaline where we could flee off to safety But then once we were safe, our brain signaled our bodies to return back to calm. In today's world, I feel like we're constantly being triggered. So we're constantly in a state of stress. We're constantly in a state of fight or flight without an understanding why. And so we reach for little tools like yoga or meditation or maybe a workout or going for a long walk or a bike ride, getting out with nature, but without a really clear understanding. And so this is why I wanted to understand and teach people the tools, give them the tools so that they can break these patterns themselves. So it's almost like over time, however old you may be, we have unwillingly, unknowingly strengthen the stress response as if we've gone to the gym and and strengthened our stress muscles, but without any knowledge that we actually have an opposite calm response as well. And so with this book, I give you the tools to actually retrain your brain and your nervous system away from stress and back to calm. And one of the ways to do that is mindfulness, just being self-aware. So doing a body scan, figuring out where is your breath? You know, are you breathing calmly or is your chest tight? Do you actually have labored breathing? Are you relaxed with your shoulders down or your shoulders up because you're so stressed and tight all the time? You know, how are you sitting? So we get trained as a coach. You get trained in, you know, reading somebody's entire physical being, pupil dilation, tension in the face. Did you know somebody can hold so much stress and tension in the face 
that the face and the musculature can actually look really different when they're relaxed and happy. And you can see this, right? You can see this on a friend when you say, hey, bud, how are you doing? And they go, oh, yeah, I'm good. Everything's good. But you can look at them and know that they're going through some serious life stress right now. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, if they're falling in love, nobody grows like when they're falling in love, by the way, like that, that constant little smile on their face. They have a different glow on their skin. And that's because everything shifts all of the muscle tension in your in your face and your nervous system shifts because when you're vibrating with love you're vibrating at a different frequency and you're giving off a completely different energy okay see <laughs> no that was perfect stone just a because remember when i said i had a two-parter and then yeah. it's going to be pleasingly frustrating <laughs> yes so and you segued right into it the reason why I want to encourage listeners to to buy your book and to do it is for the same reason why Mr. Miyagi taught Daniel to wash a car. Mm-hmm. All we saw was washing the car. But Mr. Miyagi knew the technique and the underlying purpose of him yeah. washing the car, right? What people don't understand that you're leading them to with this book is the underlying purpose because mm-hmm. I, I see it when i went through it and i took the test and everything and you and did the life log quiz i did and i was uh, i forgot the animal that i was i'll look it up because i sent you but so we have these seven energy centers right yes and everything that you've been talking about when we talk about happiness and finding happiness with this 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 and this it all circled it all pointed to something that we loved Mm-hmm. And so the moment when you hit that frequency of love, yes, just happened. And you were talking about how you were, were so drained at the end of the day, end of the night, because nine times out of 10, we're usually operating in those lower three energy centers, right? Yeah. That, that's where our ego comes from, the, the, the greed and the, all this stuff. And so, I, and so when you're operating that low, your frequency is low. When your frequency is low, your energy is low. Mm-hmm. And when you start getting to things that you actually love, you're literally raising your frequency, you're activating that center shock where your heart is, your love is. And what happens is you start now Pareto principle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now you start achieving more with less effort because mm-hmm. you're now aligning a whole lot more and you're yes. not having to push the mountain so much. Yes. So. I want people to understand that even though you might not break it down like that in your books, that's what you're leading them to. So like, that's why this book is different. It's more than just thinking positive, fine, do what feels natural to you. Mm-hmm. It's more than that. Like you're on yeah. purpose giving these steps so that underneath all of that, those things are shifting and happening. And next thing you know, you're like, Oh no, Zara Carson's amazing. She's a genius. You got it. Well, I mean, she is because she knows the science behind it. <laughs> you know what I'm yes. I just wanted to take that opportunity to let people see and realize just how deep this book gets, but Thank you keep you. it in a very palatable, on a very palatable level. Thank you. I mean, that it was it was 30 years of, of studying on my own and then studying so many different fields from the studies of the subconscious to psychology to neuroscience, which is essentially the study of the brain and the nervous systems. I wanted to know, you know, where do thoughts exist and where do emotions exist and where do behaviors come from? Um, but you're right. I took very complex concepts and I wanted to make it relatable. And it's an entry point. So as people start doing this work and they go through the six-week plan, 
what you start doing is you start calming the brain. You're starting to rewire the brain for greater calm from a place where you can quiet your mind. Because everyone knows when you're highly stressed, you're not thinking clearly, you're not creative. In fact, when you study neuroscience, if you want to spark creativity, which is also the same pathway as strategic thinking, you need to be relaxed and happy. So take those naps, find a way to relax, find your joy, find your peace, get your grounding, and then you can go. So, And then you learn how to elevate your emotion as you go. And I talk about the science of vibration. I go into cymatics and, and what that means, you know, to have, you, we can now measure the electromagnetic field of the heart space that goes out from you. You know, we know we have to start talking about the fact that we experience energy. Why do people say things like only good vibes? Well, because we feel that at our core and we get to choose. Did you know if you live close to somebody that's happy, you're 7% more likely to be happier yourself? Yep. It's a, it's, it's a concept called emotional contagion. So as you learn about all of these tools and you put them together from so many different disciplines, you start to give yourself a system. And that's what I wanted to do with this book, um, Six Weeks to Happy, is to give people the tools to coach themselves. Because when you learn, when you study psychology, you learn that more than 75% of people and conditions go undiagnosed because you have to check yourself. You have to check yourself in. You have to say something is wrong, something is not working. And most people don't want to hear it. Most people don't want to face it, but they know something's missing. Nobody wants to wake up and go through this life like it's Groundhog Day. You want to wake up feeling unhappy, feeling exhausted, feeling stressed, and start your day and go off to that job that you don't like for the next 20 or 30 or 40 years. Who wants a life like that? I could barely peel my head off the pillow if I lived a life like that. I worked extremely hard to get here, but it was because I wanted greater things for myself. Mm-hmm. And I allowed myself to think those and to go there and to work towards them. A lot of the reasons that people continue to stay in that that hamster wheel that, that we talked about earlier is mm-hmm. because they're disconnected from what's possible or even mm-hmm. just disconnected from self in general. They don't know yes. what self is. Um, right. One of the big principles that that you hit on is reconnecting by aligning those four bodies that we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier. So this is me going back to my last of three accountabilities that I mentioned earlier. Yes. Don't give it all away. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, the importance of each of the four. And then two, that process of, of where to start, how to start, and how to remain mindful through that process of reconnecting so mm-hmm. that you're consciously moving through these steps through the six weeks. Because I think they're all intertwined. They are intertwined. And thank you. Great, great question. So we have three minds, the higher conscious mind, the conscious mind, and the unconscious mind. The conscious mind is only 5% of us. The unconscious mind is 95% of us. I go into that in the book. Alongside the three minds, we have four bodies, spiritual or energetic body. So it doesn't matter if you believe in religion, spirituality, or quantum physics, you can, you can name it whatever you want, spiritual or energetic. Then there's the mental body, the emotional body, and the physical. So now we get into a, a conversation about spirit, soul, and the human journey and what we are meant to be doing here. And so energy first trickles down from source or God or the universe, however you want to call that. 
and it enters your spiritual body first. If you're not in touch with your energetic and spiritual self, you're already going to feel disconnected and that energy can't naturally flow. The stone you talked about, the seven energy centers, you're talking about the chakras, which are literally, you know, energy wheels throughout the body. And so it enters at your crown at the first one at the top of your head. And then it goes to your third eye, which is your center of intuition. You can also call that the starting of the mental body. So this is where all of your thoughts get processed, your decision-making, your critical thinking happens, and then it enters and trickles down into the emotional body. Now, this is usually where most people get stuck because when you hit the emotional body, the brain and the nervous system are working together and saying, oh, this is a new challenge. Have we done it before? Yes or no. Have we been successful at it before? Yes or no. And so what ends up happening in the emotional body is you have stress, you have anxiety, you have self-doubt, you have fear show up. So if you already have a thought of starting a great big vision for yourself, your soul, your spirit is limitless, by the way. If you have a thought that you want to accomplish something great in your life, it's because your soul and your spirit knows you are meant for great things. And as it flows down into your mental body, you start thinking about what do I need to do to get there? What are the things I need to put in place in order to make it happen? So you think of it almost like your plan. Then as you get to the emotional body, that's where fear and self-doubt start to pop up. So you never actually get to the physical body, which is where you would take action. It's this person that then has to go out and make those calls and open those doors and, you know, get get myself to school and learn everything I need to learn or get myself to that job or that business or whatever. And so if your four bodies are not aligned, your ability to accomplish anything is going to be really off kilter. So it's really important to align the four bodies. And what I've done with the Rewire Mindset System in this book, Six Weeks to Happy, is you learn three tools per week for six weeks. And each of those three tools is a primary and, and secondary intervention for each of the four bodies and aligning them. So it'll tell you very clearly, if you do this tool, it's going to work on your spiritual body and your mental body. If you do this tool, it's going to work on your mental and emotional body. With this tool, it's going to be an intervention for your physical body. And then the other piece of it is it starts aligning and integrating your conscious and your subconscious mind. And the way I think about that is I used this in a talk years ago and people just got it. So when we think about goal setting, it's your conscious mind that's the goal setter, but it's your unconscious mind that 95% of you, that's the goal getter. Right. So if you're conscious and unconscious mind, and if you're unaware of what's happening in your subconscious, it's like your operating system. If your operating system is sluggish, your ability to accomplish much any, you know, and, and quickly is going to be seriously hindered. But if you understand the language of your operating system, which I do, and I teach it to you in this book, then you start integrating those two and your goal setter and your goal getter actually get on the same team. That's the genius of it. So yeah, it's it's game changing. So thank you for asking that question. Absolutely. I, I love how I talked about earlier how a lot of people just don't know and you subconsciously mm -hmm. go through things without understanding the science or understanding the reasoning behind why you're doing something. Yes. Each of those three things in each week, you're you're silently reprogramming people to understand the understanding. 
Mm-hmm. And it's it's almost like you you slip into knowing why you're doing something. It's it's one of the most amazing yeah. methods I've seen to get to a certain point in a very very long time. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, what well, you know, what we like to say is, you don't know what you don't know. So if it's beyond your awareness, how can you be aware of it? We know that there's inner conflict. You wake up every day and you say, "Yes, I want to start that diet. Yes, I want to start that business." But your follow through from now until the next 10 years is what on each of these goals, right? So once you can actually be aware of what's going on and what's stopping you, that inner conflict then goes away because once you see it, once you're aware of it, once it becomes conscious, in other words, you can't unsee it. It doesn't, it doesn't flow back into your unconscious. Right. After that, once you see it, you always see it. You might not see it right at, like, right at the first second. You might have doubt creep up. You might have, let's say you have a presentation to give or a talk to give and all of these nerves are coming up. You actually now have the tools to pause and say, whoa, what is this? Right. Is it fear? Is it my old limiting belief, my unconscious belief coming back into play? I know how to handle this now. I yeah. got you. I see you and I'm doing it anyway. All right. So I have, I have one more thing. So on your site, mm-hmm. um, you have a quiz yes. called the life block quiz. Yes. And I took that quiz and right. I got my archetype, but for the life of me, I can't find it. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I actually, with the day I took it, I sent it to you and I was trying to find that email, but I can't find it. All right. So what one, you can explain to, to the listeners what the life block quiz is. Yes. And then if you could just, if you tell me what the archetypes are, I'll remember what mine was, and then maybe okay. you can tell me what that meant. Perfect. Well, firstly, let me just say when when you did the quiz, we were just launching it. We're in the process of automating it. So it's going to be fully live for everyone within a week. So don't worry about it. And we'll give you a promo code that you can share with your with your audience as well so that they can get the full results. So there are five Basic, you know, every time I, I, I had a coaching client, I realized they were falling into five main buckets of limiting beliefs in the, at the unconscious level. And they are, I'm not lovable, I'm not deserving or worthy of love. They are, the second one is, I feel alone or unsupported in this world. Now, it doesn't sound like that. Again, we're talking about subconscious language patterns here. So I'm alone would probably sound something like, and we all know people who say this, if I want something done right, I have to do it myself. It doesn't sound like I'm alone in this world. It sounds like everything's on me. I'm the one that gets things done. I'm the one to do it. So that's number two. Number three is I'm not safe in this world. Like I don't feel really safe here or I don't feel like I belong. The wording you have to get into yourself and I give you the tools on how to do that. The next one is I'm not capable of wealth and success. So like that, you know, that homeroom teacher said to my friend who passed it on to me was that I wasn't going to be successful. That's a perfect example of me hearing as a child and absorbing into my subconscious that I might not be capable of my own abundance and success just because I look a particular way. And that gave me so much fuel and hunger to want to do better. So I did, um, I'm not deserving of love. I did. I'm alone. I did. I'm not safe. I did. Uh, I'm not capable of wealth and success. And so 
what the life block quiz is, I wanted to give people a playful way to actually go in and figure out what their unconscious beliefs are. And this goes to phase one, week one of the six weeks to happy program, because we want to uncover your barriers to success. What are the thought patterns happening at your subconscious level that are limiting your thoughts, your feelings, your behaviors? And once you unpack that, it gives you a really clear view of your personality profile. So it's basically a personality assessment. Now, most people don't have all five limiting beliefs operating within them. We usually have two. Sometimes there's a third one at a minor level. And so each of those beliefs have two animal archetypes. So it's really fun. So the animal archetypes, hold on, I have the whole list here so I don't forget. Oh, one. I remember. I remember what it was. As soon as you said Cheetah? It. Cheetah. I knew you were going to be the cheetah. Yes. Whoa, wait. What do you mean you knew? I, I mean, wait, she did read the email. Let's unpack that. She, oh, you found the email? She, I mean, she might have saw the email you sent her. I don't know. No, she no. said no, she said I knew, which means oh, okay. she was sitting here psychoexamining me while yeah. I've been talking. No, I was kidding. So how did you know what, what was it? Uh, break down the cheetah, please, for, for inquiring minds. <laughs> so the cheetah's tagline is I, I get things and, done. And given given your success and given your questions and given how inquisitive you are, you know, so what a life block is, is it starts out as a coping strategy. You know, so at the unconscious level, let's say I was, you know, 10 years old or whatever, when I heard that, oh, she's never going to be successful on her own because she's cute. She'll probably just marry rich or something like that. So what that did for me is my coping strategy, obviously, that was hurtful. And so you're starting to process these emotions and you're starting to process the thoughts that become part of that. And then it becomes a life strategy, like, I'm going to show them, I'm going to be as educated, I'm going to be smarter and more resourceful than anyone else. I'm going to prove it to them and I'm going to prove it to myself. So now it becomes a life strategy. Now there's healthy and unhealthy aspects of each of those. So five limiting beliefs and 10 animal archetypes. So they are the stag, the peacock, the cheetah, the wolf, the eagle, the gazelle, the bear, the dolphin, like dolphins love being playful. I'm part dolphin. There's a stallion who values freedom above all things. They like to be free and liberated and unrestricted. Those are your travelers, your adventurers. And if you are in a relationship or a job that stifles you or restricts you, you're going to need an outlet. So just understanding that about yourself is really key to living a happy life. And if you're in a relationship, then having your partner understand that about you, because they might be different. They might value stability like the wolf does. The wolf is all about predictability and certainty and being able to control its environment because their limiting belief was I wasn't safe at a certain time in my life. So it starts off as a coping strategy, it becomes a life strategy. And then the last one is the bull. So the bear and the bull are both tied to not feeling capable of wealth and success, and they become the most successful. If you ever read, did you ever read any Malcolm Gladwell, like The Outliers, The Secrets of Success? Mm-hmm. He talked about there were three things that made any great person. One was an opportunity was presented to them. Somebody opened a door, held out a hand to help them. The third part was they knew to take action. But the first part was there was a slight, 
something happened in their life where they had a disadvantage. They became the underdog. They talk about Lance Armstrong was a particular example there because he didn't grow up with money. Maybe not the best example because we'll just ignore the later years, what -hmm. happened there. But early on, there was a slight. He was told he wasn't going to do well. He didn't come from an easy background. Swimming, you know, any sport where you have to apply yourself takes money and, you know, you need to pay for coaches and all of that stuff. So he pushed and he pushed and he pushed himself really, really hard as a kid. So it's a slight. So this is this is just describing the entire human journey. And I wanted to give people free access to a tool where they could go in and figure out what is their primary operating animal archetype and what is that limiting belief. And then you can take it away and you can think about wow, where does this stop me in my life? Where is this stopping me in my career, in my business? Where is this stopping me in my ability to make money in terms of the types of, because we're not looking after, you know, when we, when we think about making money, we're not thinking about just a financial number. We want freedom. We want freedom from worry, freedom from having to worry about our bills, freedom from having to worry if our kids are going to be okay. We want freedom. We want the freedom in terms of time, money, and energy. That's the ultimate goal. It's not actually money. Now, did you right? did you select the animal for each archetype? Yes. You did? I, I find it ironic that the bull and the bear have to do with what wealth, right? And those are the two animals for the financial sector. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. Well, you know, I just I try to create a little drama, just a little. <laughs> sense. So can you finish explaining to me the cheetah? I'm, I, I see where I sent it to you, but I still can't find it. So yes. can you break down the cheetah archetype for me? Yeah. So the cheetahs, you know, cheetah had early experiences of not feeling like enough. So again, we are. Purely, I talked about the conscious and the subconscious mind, the unconscious, subconscious mind, I'll use them interchangeably. Before the age of seven, we're pure unconscious. Mm -hmm. So everything we hear, it doesn't matter if it's in a movie in the next room or a conversation, you know, that our uncles are having in another area of the house, but everything we hear becomes a suggestion, like a directive to your subconscious. So if you hear money doesn't grow on trees, I worry about that kid. He'll never do well. He doesn't apply himself. He's not going to do well in life. We take that in. We internalize that information. And so it becomes a coping strategy. So the cheetah had learned, you know, the feeling of I'm not good enough. And so what the cheetah learns to do is they learn to become incredibly resourceful. They become the people you want to go to to take action. The cheetah's tagline is, I get things done. Right? So it's all about. That was real? So, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> what? So Everything you were saying up to that point. Up to that. <laughs> like when you, because all my life I was told that I don't, I don't, I have so much potential. Yes, you're so talented, but you just don't do it. I've heard that all my life, right? And then, um, then after that was, and and I do find one of the compliments I get is that I'm incredibly resourceful. The thing is, yeah. I will figure out how to get it done. But then the getting it done part. It done part. <laughs> Sorry, okay, I'm, so you I'm might be part dolphin as well. One, I'm waiting for him to buy one audio cable for the studio for a year and a half. Please do. Well, he said, "I'm I'm what selling you out." 
<laughs> oh, always. Because you said you can't be a combination of some animals, right? Yeah. Yes. Because I, yes. I, this I is why it's a pure part dolphin every day, all day. Yeah. So the dolphin loves to play and the dolphin is characteristic. You know, some of its characteristics are they make tons of plans. They're the dreamers, right? They're the dreamers, the philosophers, they make tons of plan. They like to have fun, but they have less follow through. So oh, then, gosh, but, but wait, but then I, learning I that about that. yourself, but wait, yes. learning that about yourself then makes you accountable to yeah, say, yeah. oh, I know. Yeah. So if you keep your word to yourself every day and you're a dolphin, let's say, so it's August 25th that we're recording this today. If you have something you need to do by August 26th, dolphin or cheetah, one of you two have to get it done. Right. <laughs> right. Now, right. I heard Cesar that he may have been a combination of the elephant as well. Will you explain what that <laughs> was? I didn't think there was an elephant. It was, it was when we were talking, so I might have I might have misheard. But no, I, there was no. Was. I thought she but there said, was okay. a dodo bird. All right, do you have anything <laughs> else? <laughs> I, I have an outpouring of gratitude. Yeah, being so awesome. transparent and um and and forthcoming with information that what I'm I'm growing to see should at some point in our human evolution become common sense mm-hmm. but seeing that more and more people are reaching for it and then there are people like you who are willing to present it in a way that people can digest it mm-hmm. that that open ground for us to evolve to where this is commonplace uh, I'm, I'm grateful for that being in existence so thank you thank you that was the greatest compliment thank you so much that's exactly why I do this work is I just you know I think there's so much unnecessary struggle and suffering. And I think we're all meant for greatness. And I just, I'm just here to help inspire that. So thank you for that. That was a gift. Zara Carson, ladies and gentlemen, CEO of Get Zend and author of Six Weeks to Happy. Where can people find you, follow you and all that lovely stuff? Oh, thank you so much, Stone. Thank you both for having me. All you have to do to start on the road to happiness and success is go to sixweekstohappy.com. And if you want to take the quiz and discover what your life blocks may be, just go to the lifeblockquiz.com. Super easy and start today. We promise there is no elephant or dodo bird archetype. (laughs) Stonestafford.com. That's where you can find everything Stone Stafford. Uh, You can sign up for music business coaching or see what I'm doing on Twitter, which is a behind the black curtain type of Mm. activity Um, and all that kind of good stuff. Lifeonpodcast.com. That's where you can listen or watch our episodes uh, each week. We keep the top 10 or the latest 10 episodes up there. And uh, Johnny, what about you, Nick? I'm just Johnny Vaughn, J-U-S-T-J-O-N-Y-V-A-N on all of the social things. Yeah, yo, appreciate you, Zara. Thank you so much. Thank again. you, thank you so much. Uh, we'll be in touch, and we're probably going to have you back. There's, you have too much to offer, so I think we're probably going to do this. Again. And I'm, 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 I up, just, I'm up for flying you here to do one in person, that or, or us coming to Miami. I'm. Oh, I, no, let's either one. Let's, let's go to Miami. <laughs> going to Miami. Going to Miami might, might be the play. Be the one. Yeah, yeah. Might be the play. Might be the play. And uh, shout out Hannah. If I say the last name right, Casimir. Casimir. It is Casimir. Mm-hmm. I looked at it. I didn't think that said cashmere. Anyway, shout out to Hannah Cashmere for putting all this together. She Absolutely. does the PR work and all this kind of stuff. So thanks for linking us to Hannah. Yes. We appreciate Thank you. Thank you, Hannah. Ones who aren't on the camera, they, sh- they definitely need to get some shine. Absolutely. So. All right, Life on Podcast, 1 million subscribers in 2023. We love y'all. We are out. Peace.